Go to thecognitiverampage.com. Keep fueling the change. Help continue to allow this to happen. None of this would happen without you and your love and your support. Love you. The Cognitive Rampage, a scientific approach to self-discovery, change, and life optimization, is now available on Amazon. What I do in the book is I fuse the latest research from the cognitive, behavioral, social, environmental, and biological sciences. It's not just motivational fluff and wordplay. Now, I do talk about my own story, so there's some kind of inspiration in there, but I'm not just spinning words and hyping you up with motivational fluff. Whether you need a life change, simply enjoy self-exploration and optimization, want to discover new hidden passions, or reduce the life-altering effects of toil, anxiety, depression, all of those issues, this book is for you. This book is not a cookie-cutter method of steps to follow. You'll customize the scientific framework with your own personal beliefs to build your authentic change. That way you assimilate it faster. It's not just copying my beliefs and telling you step one, step two. These will come from your beliefs as how you extend and build the foundation upon this framework. You'll use this framework throughout your whole life, through every change, and through every age. These are not empty words of motivational spin. This book is an experience. The Cognitive Rampage is based in science and is built from your beliefs. It's a path to help you unleash your desired change. You can apply this method on your own with no harmful side effects. Welcome to Cognitive Rampage Podcast. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your Cognitive Rampage. I had to add that on this intro because just to let you know on the podcast that's about to play, uh, it was myself. Uh, I do apologize in the beginning. Author or best-selling author William Pullen uh, was going to be on the podcast. Uh, we got some times confused. He's in London. I'm in the U.S. here, um, but we got that straightened out. Uh, he'll probably be on um, the next, the following week or this upcoming week. Um, yeah, so sorry about that. And the podcast you're about to hear, uh, I went ahead and just went on myself. In my cognitive rampage, I had some notes backed up, and I was in the mood and ready by the time we figured out the time change. Uh, well, I was already ready to go, so uh, I dove in. So please forgive what I forgot to do was reset the mixer and restart my computer overnight, and I just went into the podcast. Uh, and well, it gets a little choppy. It's not too choppy. It's you can hear it, um, but it does that for a little bit uh, as I'm cognitively rampaging. But I hope you continue to listen. It was one of my favorite to to actually get out. Uh, there's a couple notes been on there I didn't get to say on the last few rampages, and uh, yeah, I covered it on this one. But apologize if it's a uh, a little breaky in the beginning or chopped up too much. So I apologize. But after that, actually, that this day ended up being really long. Uh, I opened that day with that, this podcast. I uh, recorded at twelve o'clock, uh, twelve p.m. on Friday. And then I had a two o'clock, a four o'clock and a five o'clock. So, uh, ended up doing four podcasts that day. Um, William Pullen again was going to start us out, but so I went ahead and jumped that one for the first one. And then the second one is Christina Cusack. Um, she'd been on the podcast before she was episode number 30. Uh, she is a 
outspoken advocate for cannabis use for medical purposes, uh, specifically uh, multiple sclerosis, which she uh, battles MS. And she comes on and talks about, uh, well, we talk about a lot about her life, but her experiences and since the last time we spoke and cover what her path was, what it's been like um, with cannabis and use and things that she's found. And uh, the 4 o'clock podcast that we did that day uh, was actually the premiere of our first new series that'll be on the Cognitive Rampage Network for now. Um, Talking to ESPN about doing some ESPN radio with this or maybe even some TV uh, with this show, but the show is called The Fight Life. And The Fight Life is not your typical MMA or fight show. What we're trying to do is reveal what the fight life is really like behind the glitz, the glamour, the money, uh, before all that, what it's like working a job on the backside of trying to be a fighter before you turn pro or sign with the UFC. Um, and Eddie truck Gordon, the, uh, UFC fighter and, uh, ultimate fighting champion, number 19, New York Emmy award winner, author, et cetera. Uh, he was kind enough to be our first guest. It was a a blast talking to him at four o'clock. Um, so yeah, that'll be the premiere of the fight life as well. We'll put that out sometime this week as well. And the five o'clock that came in that day is, uh, Kyle Keppen and the O is silent. And I kept adding an L in his name when I was talking about him on social media, but, uh, Kyle's a member of the tribe of change. He's, uh, uh, what I put hashtag Florida boy, just like myself. He happened to be local and from my old town, uh, and came over, but we got pretty deep. He actually talks about, uh, what he suffers from called Addison's disease. And we walked through what that was, what he experienced, um, you know, finding that out, what he's been going through since then. And he also is, uh, a director of HR and some operations at a place called, um, well, a few places here in Orlando called the garden, uh, which is a assisted, a senior assisted living facility and also a dementia unit, Alzheimer's unit there too. And we cover a lot of that. And and he reveals some serious stuff about what's going on inside of there. But anyway, that was a long day Friday. I enjoyed it. It is um, now, what, Monday? What is the day? Monday the 29th? Yeah, so it is Monday the 29th. All these podcasts, and this one was uh, were recorded on Friday the 26th. So going to have a podcast dropping out well, probably each day this week. And i uh, got another one coming up at noon today. So it's like five podcasts in two days. But uh, it's been fun. I love it. It's why I do it. Uh, thank you for listening, for subscribing, sharing, commenting. Or, um, you know, if I'm sitting in your earbuds right now, I'm in your car hanging out with you, uh, so much love. Hashtag cognitive, gra- cognitive gratitude. Can't talk this morning. Um, is what I try to tag everybody on that uh, shares something or says something kind about the podcast or the book or any video I do. Uh, just a, a huge thank you. Uh, you're not alone in whatever you're doing. You know, uh, whatever you may be experiencing, it may feel like that. Uh, or maybe you're doing good. And, you know, I tell you, I'm proud of you too. You know, I'm proud of you for what you're doing. If nobody's tell, told you that, if your kids haven't said, hey, thanks, mom or dad, for what you've been doing, uh, you know, let me thank you for them, you know. Uh, appreciate you doing what you're doing. And again, if, if you're not quite there, keep fighting. If nobody else is in your corner, uh, then please allow myself and the rest of the team members and the cast of the Cognitive Rampage uh, to be in your life and know that we are in your corner and we're behind you. And you can do, well, 
what you believe you can and what you believe you can't. And if anything, it's worth a try or a shot. You know, it's not about the failure or the outcomes. Too many times we're focused on the outcomes of our lives and, well, we miss the ride. You know, a lot of times I like to say the search for meaning means more than finding meaning. I think I mean that. But anyway, well, I guess uh, without further ado, here's myself cognitively rampaging, uh, asking the questions, you know, about society. I think I ask these questions that I think a lot of us think about or ask from time to time. And I walk in to a couple uh, concepts of my own I've considered, uh, like the concept of actually having an evolutionary cognitive dissonance. Is this good for us? Is this something we've developed over time? Should we fight those cognitive dissonance? Where's the line at there? Uh, as well as I talk about childhood traumas, yours, mine, what we do with them, uh, what tools they give us in life, how they hinder us in life, how we think they can be serving us, how we think they can also be hurting us, right? I walk through our beliefs about trauma in our childhood and the worlds we build and the choices we make in life and how those are correlated. And at the end, uh, I wrap up talking about what I call lifestyle infringement on how your choices and just by being around and the choices you make in your life, being around others that make opposite choices and vice versa, well, can cause friction in your life if uh, you're not ready for it. But I cover all those topics on this. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, yeah. Love you. Hope we're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage. You would understand why I was a little hype. I brought some people in a podcast with me, virtually in from Facebook, and we hung out pre-game, getting in the right mind frame before we rampage. Oops. <laughs> well, first off, let me apologize. Uh, was supposed to come on today at 12 o'clock. Uh, the gentleman is in London. We're here. Uh, the booking calendar... Uh, it works, but sometimes it happens. Uh, different countries, multiple time zones, it gets confused. So uh, we'll straighten that back out, and uh, William Pullum will come back on. But check out his book. It's on Amazon. Uh, well, it's about incorporating. He's a psychotherapist, too. It's about incorporating uh, running into talking and how it seems to loosen people up. If you are always interested in it, uh, I'm also interested in the hormonal effects on the body for long-term running because uh, I know the hormones, as Dr. Mark Gordon, as I mentioned in my book, uh, writes <laughs> in studies and researches extensively uh, about the effects of our hormone and uh, hormone imbalances. And remember, there's like 25, 55 something hormones, and I like the two or three you think about. There's tons. So hormone uh, influence or effect on the long distance running because uh, there's some research out there that uh, long distance running for women over 40 uh, especially uh, can be detrimental to your health and uh, to your mental health especially but uh, look up some of that stuff it's interesting but I, I wanted to walk down that road either way uh, the running therapy if it makes people talk and open up and we can start there then we can worry about maybe not running too long because we can always walk but I love the approach uh, at least from the outside again I'm a fan of anything if somersaults work for you fucking do that you know, whatever helps you change or uh, make that change in your life, it's okay to do. So William Pullen will be on, we'll, uh, Steve or Patricia will be on that and scheduling that. We'll redo it. Uh, so I had Rampage Notes backed up anyway. 
I guess, let loose. I was already in the mind frame, and I got a short period of time because I got three more podcasts today. Uh, Christina Cusack will be here at 2 p.m. Uh, Christina Cusack has already been on the Rampage. She was episode 30 a long time ago. Uh, we were not doing YouTube Live at the time. We were just starting there, uh, so we were pre-recording and posting, etc. cetera. Uh, even though we don't technically feature ourselves on YouTube, uh, it's not where we drive our traffic and listeners to. It's really iTunes, but the point is, is she wasn't on camera. And this time she's going to be on camera and in studio. She battles MS. And if you know anyone that suffers from MS, uh, this is certainly a show you need to tune into. Uh, the information, her story that she relayed last time on, on uh, episode 30, uh, you can look that up on iTunes or on our website, uh, adamlowry.com, cognitiverampage.com, either one. Uh, but the story was... It's just crazy how she wound up there. She actually, I'll recap it before she comes on, but uh, she was a typical college girl, you know, hung out, had a couple of drinks, but had a good time. Uh, she was coming home and her friends and her parents were seeing her wobbling and forget memory and stuff like that. They immediately began to think that she was an alcoholic. Now, this is a huge point toward what I talk about in chemical incarceration. If you imagine the system of mental health, almost like a uh, jellyfish or man of war, right? With the tentacles out there. Once you get caught in that shit, it gets you and it can really hurt you. It can help too. Now, don't get me wrong, right? I'm a fan of advanced medicine, but uh, when it's provable scientific research, right? But anyway, not as risky, but uh, they thought that so much that they, in a dual diagnosis recovery facility, yeah. Didn't listen to her. There, she was telling all, I'm not drinking. It's crazy. What are you talking about? And then through this process, they ended up actually finding out that she had a very rare form of MS, a rare form of MS. And that, man, uh, they gave her pills she wasn't supposed to take if she had this form, but they didn't find out she had this form until later. This, Needless to say, the woman is a warrior. She's, I love her because she's nonsensical, straightforward. On the first show, she's telling me some shit straight up. I loved it. Uh, you know, she's a truth bearer for sure. And she's also a huge marijuana advocate. Uh, she's been on local news here. I, I live in Orlando. I'm back home. Uh, shout out to all my friends in Orlando, Coy and everybody. Uh, it's good to be back home and see the trees, the bushes, some old friends. Uh, it's been wonderful. So, uh, But she's an advocate here all throughout Orlando area. Uh, it's been on local news, et cetera, as an advocate for uh, cannabis treatment for MS. Now, if you could watch the first show, you would see it. I think it's so important that she's on camera is because, you know, when she was talking and I'm engaging with her, you could see the uh, MS wanting to take over. And as soon as she smoked um, cannabis, it was it was gone. You could see her and she would be back and talking and not battling. And it's amazing to see that. Otherwise, you got eight hundred dollar a day shots people are taking. It's ridiculous. Uh, And anyway, she's finally got her medical card here and it took her that long that's just to tell you what kind of clusterfuck the medical marijuana and my like calling it cannabis the medical cannabis uh system is in florida currently right uh and with our government of course so she'll be on at two o'clock uh then at four o'clock we're premiering uh, a new show it's a uh, still on the tcr network uh but i like to do shows about things i'm into right so uh we're starting a new series on uh the tcr network called the fight life fight life is Show. It's not your typical MMA show. Uh, we will be interviewing fighters for sure. Uh, our first guest today is a uh, UFC fighter, ultimate fighting champion, uh, ultimate fighter 19 champion, uh, New York Emmy Award winner, um, Eddie Truck Gordon will be on at four. 
Uh, but the Fight Life is not just talking to the fighters. We're going to be broadcasting live from Fusion XL Performance Gym. Uh, shout out to Fusion. Uh, I love those guys. They were blowing up over there, that whole family. Uh, I love the Fusion fam. Um, shout out JT, Edwin, Julian. Uh, guys are up in Charlotte right now representing and coaching uh, Jacques Array. Uh, that's a huge deal that Jacques Array has uh, come down and trained with the Fusion guys uh, and to see uh, well, him battle out Saturday. But anyway, we may talk about that but uh, we'll broadcast live out of fusion because we also want to talk to the people that are just in the gym fighting in their life and ask them what is your fight what are you here fighting for right not just to lose weight or in shape or win the belt deeper not only into the fighter's life and what the fight life is really like behind the conor mcgregor gl glitz and glamour the money behind this that we see what is the fight life really like for those that aren't quite at that level yet or even maybe achieve that level? And really, fight life is really like while also bringing, well, right, what you're fighting for in life on air to people that are also fighting for their lives. And uh, so I'm looking forward to the premiere of the fight life that will be on the network. And then at 5 o'clock, uh, Kyle Klopin, a friend, a local a fusion fighter, Fusion MMA fighter. He's got a fight coming up in April, but he's into all kinds of things, man. He uh, works at a um, elderly institute, taking care of people, a uh, retirement community home, doing activity stuff. But uh, I did that once for a short period of time and changed my life doing that. So it'll be interesting to hear the stories uh, that Kyle's into. He'll be in studio too at five o'clock. And as I've been renting this long, uh, I'm slowly losing time before we get into the actual rampage. Go to Amazon. Since April. Looking forward to it. I'm really trying to get on that audio to sit down and read that out because I want to do it myself. It's very time consuming. I'm wrapped up in a lot of things. I just don't do the podcast. I'm into a lot of other things that I, I don't know, I wouldn't bore you with here. But anyway, also be on the lookout. We have a store coming to the Cognitive Rampage that I talked about. I'm so excited. I promised I wouldn't sell any products like coffee mugs, hats, and shit. You see my hats and the shirts and stuff that we do. I give that shit out. I give it out to Tribe of Change members. I mail them out. I try to remember to. Uh, <laughs> and so we just give those away. I don't sell them. And I promised I wouldn't product like that and go, hi, I'm brand. And imagine you know, people talk like that. Hi, how's everybody doing? We're here talking about the fighter. No, man, this is just real life cognitively rampage. And so the products we're going to bring to you on the cognitive rampage store, I'm even holding the name down a bit. Uh, we're still kind of deciding, but uh, anyway, it's going to be products that I use, but Metis type green organic focused products. And bringing the medicine and how people can get that medicine in Florida and nationwide. So we're looking to do that. I got a couple cannabis podcasts that I'm looking to produce too, uh, with a couple friends and companies, et cetera. So it's a lot, so much, right? And oh yeah, I'm still trying to write athletes depression. We'll finish it, right? Uh, Nick and I trying to get together and finish, but I've been writing a little here and there, but that's so much, right? Jesus, like slow down. Maybe if I just picked one, right? And, <laughs> and did that, we could finish something, but. What I've been doing on the for a while is trying to maybe open up with a mainstream topic of some kind. Now, it's because I do chat about it once in a while, right? If I hear it or see it, I have my opinions, right? And most of the time, <laughs> network news is a, a park full of and frisbee around, uh, waiting on which way the wind blows to determine how well you're going to throw it. So, uh, 
you know, chiming in to what's rotating on uh, the Rolodex of news, um, I don't really like to do. But when we really do look at it, like the song I opened up with, uh, if the podcast, well, you didn't hear the song, but if you're watching on Facebook Live, you heard the song, and that's uh, a song by Egyptian called Serious Times. And the fact that I really believe this is some serious times and whether you can change the perception based on the information you get that day about where we are, where the time frame is, whether it's a serious time, a beautiful time, a great time. And I will weigh and measure the things that what, because I can live a little bit longer. I have a little less likely chance of being murdered. I get fast food, some planes, the internet, and some of that stuff. And for that, uh, I have to worry that one day, or at any time, if called to, the few pushes of a button, well, we extinct ourselves. We crossed some sort of line, I think, somewhere I've mentioned before on the podcast, once we invented a weapon that, well, could eradicate ourselves and then duplicated this weapon over and over and over. You know, I was listening to Dan Carlin last night, and he brought up a point on the show that I had to point out that I thought, you know, a time now that we can actually people declare i've done it, right it's about stats right it's the safest time to be alive less murders and diseases and sure well when we had those things typically there wasn't a threat of a few buttons pushed didn't well our entire species being gone from the earth and dan carlin said it beautifully last night i think uh, when he was quoting actually someone else when he said if we consider today's technology of the world powers of weapons if there were to be an actual third world war the one would be fought with sticks and stones so that thought that looming thought that we all know exists Yes, right? We quickly say, oh, they wouldn't. Too much money involved. Too many politicians connected now that wouldn't do this. Well, look, they accidentally pushed a missiles coming button over on Guam. Oops. It's to say, uh, <laughs> just kidding. So, look, we want to believe that all this shit is the hunt for the Red October, right? And if you haven't seen that, I'm dating myself, but Sean Connery and all his buddies got to break the nuclear key code card, stick it in, announce it, read it out, get the two keys and twist. Sure, we want to think that. Who knows? Maybe somebody knows, post it. But look, if it's a matter of national security and say someone pushes a missile incoming threat from Russia into Washington, D.C., what is the response there? One, what's after that? And two and three, do you understand? There are thousands of these weapons all over the world, more than enough to destroy our entire species. But yet we walk around and we still go, eh, less murders, diseases. It's the best time to be alive. Think about it. If it's aimed in the right spot or enough or dropped, right? Got your sellers, right? All the doomsday prep people. Gotcha. But developed an evolutionary cognitive dissonance. Of dissonance in psychology and mental health as being a bad thing, as being things that, well, blind us, that block us. We have a concrete perception of something or belief in something that our cognitive just can't let us believe it. I've said a few times on this podcast about a, a, a little article or research thing that was done uh, where 
maybe it was an observation, but to where they were sure a river was going to flood. And they told people at mile one, two, three, four, all the way up to 10, that there's a potential this river could flood. And they were only expecting one to two miles, not 10 miles. And going back and look at it, looking at it after the aftermath had happened, people around the seven, eight, nine, ten mile, well, the majority of those people left. And the closer you got to the river, the less the people left. People died. Being a mile away from this river. That is the danger. We're not willing to question the lack of humility or the disbelief that something could happen. So as we love to sit back and say it's all too corrupt and money is too, uh, well, entwined, then no one would do that and they wouldn't hit the button. Well, I don't know. Because I see people trying to develop, well, country powers again and we're marching weapons down streets again in certain countries. It looks like World War II in color, Oliver Stone's fucking documentary. It's ridiculous. So I wonder, you know, the fact that we can just say, hey, look at my internet, look at my AI, look at my 3D, look at CRISPR, look at all the things we can do. We, China, China cloned a monkey yesterday, the first monkeys to be cloned. I mean, so we sit back and go, wow, amazing. I do too. It's fucking wild. But where do we stop, right? Where's the line? Where do we cross? Is there a line? Should there be a line? These are the things we walk through. But we can smile, though, and with this cognitive dissonance, say, well, I'm going to be positive today. We spout this off as if it actually means something. And we'll focus on these things. And, well, the fact is, uh, if no one's looking at what actually is happening, and we focus on, well, statistics show. Statistics show. We move closer to that. So have we developed an evolutionary cognitive dissonance? Marinate on that. So go back to your childhood, right? Have we been able to create a cognitive dissonance about the person that harmed us, that hurt us, or the person or people that are continually hurting us today? Have we built a cognitive dissonance about, oh, it's not them. No, they're just an alcoholic. It was the drugs talking. Do we keep chalking that off, right? How thick is the cognitive dissonance in our own lives if we look back to what we had to create to survive it? Through some sort of trauma. And remember, trauma is also subjective, right? If we experience trauma in life, I know this sounds harsh, but as opposed to what? Is life not supposed to be traumatic? Right? Life is not fair. So to call things traumatic, we can say they're traumatic to us and to our experience, to our perception. True, that becomes your truth. But that too is questionable. And that's hard to do when you are the one being traumatized, right? But we have to look back at some part of our lives, right? We all experience some sort of trauma in our childhood or uh, pushback or resistance, right? Even those you think you know somebody that felt like they had it handed to them somehow had a pushback in life. This is one now because we do reap what we sow, right? Not that it's given to us. I don't believe some punishment that we reap what we sow. It just happens to be the outcome of well, what we've done. So if we want to look at what we had to develop for that trauma, it could, it could be your childhood. It could be your marriage when you were older. It could be a retirement. It could be so many things. The injury, the surgery, change of career breaking of a relationship, the loss of a loved one. If we aren't able to question what those are, what those people are, what those things mean in our lives, if we can't look at it and say, well, this is a perception that we create, it's traumatic, it's trauma. 
or how far have we taken our cognitive dissonance and how much has our evolutionary development, what we've experienced, allow us to go, ah, that's not happening. So we stay with people we shouldn't be with. We stay at jobs we don't want to be at. Dissonance. Now, where is the line between the protect the protection that the evolutionary cognitive dissonance provides, if it even does? Development that this cognitive dissonance allows that, well, this isn't true, and we can put that down so we could move here. Things, the science that people love to lean on, right? Science is even question what we deem to be fact through science. Questioning that sort of evolutionary cognitive dissonance and we've lost control on when we're supposed to apply it, when we can apply it, when it's valuable to us to apply it. It's just evolved. And so we're able to even walk around. I mean, think about it. If you didn't have the dissonance there and you constantly woke up every day worried about nuclear weapons going off, well, well, you're not going to live your life either, right? So where's the line to this side? Reality that buttons can be pushed and people can get upset and powers can lose control and say, fuck it. So how far do we allow ourselves to wake up from whatever cognitive dissonance we've created? Enough to keep us happy, keep us safe, keep us comfortable? Anything? Do we stay with the person because, well, I'm this, it's this, I'm already this, and we have that, and this works, so uh, we keep it. Do I stay at the job because it provides? Well, it's benefits. We have this and that. Do we rationalize away from the power of our evolved cognitive dissonance application, applying abilities? There we go, I like that. Applying abilities. Tongue was catching up. Where's the line? I only point out the idea, the power of being able to place the line anywhere. I love how the gurus now are coming out talking about that the only truth is in the perception of your reality. Yeah, I wrote a book on it, two of them, years ago. So if we can question that, then we can change anything. We can make something, right? But how far do we really want to question it? How far do we continue to question what that reality is or face the realities of what cognitive dissonance are protecting us from or keeping us from or misdirecting us from? Where's that line? Do we pull it, right? Do we, do we go, oh, God, nukes every day. Everyone should share a video and tell everybody. And then we all don't go to work and we stay home and nobody thinks about next week or tomorrow, right? That brings me sort of to mix the next two topics, which is the idea of mindfulness, right? Do we stay mindfully in the present? Can we stay mindfully in the present all the time? Rational, for sure. I'll connect these eventually. But first topic, if we can, if we look at whatever we went through, our traumas, times, whatever, what we went through to survive some sort of environment, develop tools to survive this environment those tools can be many things i mean pick it uh, the power to deflect to turn off we generally have a few different ways that humans do it we use humor we use tears we use anger we use denial we use deflection or projection or we numb ourselves out and get fucked up all the time those are generally the, the main ways that we respond to someone questioning a belief that we have about a trauma or a tool that we use or if someone puts us in a similar environment 
it's odd how the tools that we use to survive a hypervigilant or traumatic environment at some point come out so quickly once we observe or at least assume or perceive behavior from other people as being similar to those that were um, back then. And here's the crossover. The crossover becomes, when do I learn or question those tools that I've developed, right? Because we don't. We don't want to question those tools because, motherfucker, if you lived in my home, somebody says, if you were with the husband I was with, to the woman I was, if you had my kids, right? If you worked my job, had my life, if you knew me back then, you come up with reasons if you were just there then you'd understand. So we take those traumas in our lives, especially as little babies, right? As little babies, we're, okay, we're, we're really, babies are resilient as fuck. Babies bounce back, man. They heal fast as shit. They bounce back, right? They learn, and that's what they're doing. They're walking around, crawling, talking, poking, eating, tasting, smelling. They learning, just soaking that stuff up, man. And as we're doing that, when we do that, when we go through things and we learn, dang, when I did this, this worked. When I did this, this didn't work. That's why you see kids try crying. They try stomping. In which every one of those responses you feed, you're going to continue to have that response, by the way, from your child or yourself, right? Unless your child or yourself, when they're later in life or at the present, can question the tools I'm using or used at that time were simply tools I had to develop in order to survive an environment I did not have control over whether it was to protect my emotions or even my physical self or my mental health. But now I may not live in that environment, but somehow we want to exercise those tools because they were so effective there that they made us feel good at the worst of times, then, well, we must apply those tools now, and if they don't work, it must be them. Well, I could sum this up in a metaphor saying perhaps we may be killing ants with shotguns. We apply the tools that saved us in a hypervigilant environment, but well, we're just at the ice cream shop on Thursday. But it's the humility. It's so difficult. These are words also be, be using, they're thrown around. Social media, they're just thrown out there like little fucking sprinkles on shit. You know, there's a few that really go into the depth of those definitions of those definitions about how when we apply them how they really open us up to the world to learning to ourselves mindful and just the present what is happening will sometimes doesn't allow us to use the past to learn from or evolve as we have as human beings so the idea that you're going to walk around like a monk and be mindfully in the present all day well i'm telling you is flat out irrational there's guys and girls in orange and red robes walking around in mountains and little palaces and trying to do that all day, and they can't quite master it. So, here over in the United States. So, trying to be mindful is a practice. It's a tool used to recenter you. See, I look at it as a tool, not an overall ideal to tell someone on how to live mindfully in the present it would be hard to plan or prepare for anything much less go grocery shopping or buy your food or think about even being hungry i'm sure there's masters out there that do some yoga pretzeling that can suck in their spine and not have to eat food for six thousand days and mindfully i get it i get it i'm sure they exist there's outliers i'm in i'm open to be mindfully present 24-7 is the cure to end all is fucking ridiculous. Tool 
to apply. Ruminating is not a good tool. See, I talk about toil. If we toil in it, most of the depression, anxiety, symptoms that we start to feel really come from needing to make a choice, the toil. So if we can at least make the choice, we're actually beginning to solve. See, there's a difference between ruminating and solving. Ruminating and solving is separation. Solving means we're making choices and moving our way through the maze, while ruminating is simply staring at the maze going, what the fuck? There's a difference, right? in your own mind, if you will, is the tools you may know you have developed as a child and the things you went through and what you experienced, what you had to become, create, or say, or the narrative you had to begin to tell at that point in time, whether it's childhood, last week, the relationship, marriage, or if ever, even the current one you live in, if say maybe you had not experienced trauma again in quotes. And ask yourself, what tools did I develop that helped me survive that? to apply those tools now in the future, even though the new people I'm talking to, the new environments, the new places, don't require such defense mechanisms. Am I killing ants with shotguns here? But I'm not questioning it because, well, those tools work back then, so if they're not working on this person, well, they're crazy. The ability to question self. That's what we like to say, right? Ask yourself this, if you are ruminating, if there's even an answer, does or did, or why you do or didn't, exceptional. There was an answer. Would that outcome still just be a perception of that moment in time anyway, that perhaps revisiting that moment at a later time in life, well, the perception would change and Therefore, there's not really an answer. I would be in relationship counseling with them, and they'd be asking questions like, you know, my friend asked me, do I love him? Do I love him? Yeah, I love him. Well, on Tuesday. On Saturday, no. (laughs) Right? We ask or open subjective questions in order to place our emotions on where we want to be anyway. So what I'm telling you is you are already consciously living mindfully in the present because you are choosing to apply the past thinking, the future thinking, the mindfulness thinking, the mind that's continually going when you're sleeping in the dream and when you're dreaming, living in the mindful present. And what you're doing in that present is thinking about the past or thinking about the future. You're mindfully doing that. And if you're mindfully in the present, Also be mindfully in the past because that's what you're mindfully doing in the moment. I wonder how long the mindfulness trend will fucking continue. You see, the purpose trend is still floating out there. I see it less and less. All you got to do is watch the top end guys, the Tonys. I'm saying W's, (laughs) the Gary V's. Watch these people and the words they use and when they become trendy or not. Mindfulness is, yeah, it's a tool you can use, right? It's mindfulness of the reality, but we are already mindfully in the present. We're just choosing to think present. We're all together. It is a powerful tool, though. I will also tell you, I wouldn't suggest using mindfulness if you're dealing with anxiety. If you're dealing with anxiety, it can sort of be helpful if you're hitting that panic attack mode. But it can be detrimental if you're hitting a panic attack mode because, well, anxiety, the physiological symptoms happen, the thoughts start happening, chicken or the egg, right? 
And as this starts to happen, oh, and if, well, I'm presently mindful of what's happening, I'm presently mindfully fucked right now. Saying I'm sweating. I may pass out in the restaurant. They're looking at me. I'm going to, yeah, you be mindful when that panic attack's happening. See, go away from the present of something nice. Go to the future of something hopeful that may be. And lean on scientific fact that truth is your body can only stay in that state for about 12 motherfucking minutes. 30 for some people, about 20 minutes, you're going to peek out, either pass out and you'll wake up, you'll be fine. But at the end of that 20 or 30 minutes or so, you're going to be all right. The body stops. So you got ah, 20 minutes. You can distract yourself that long. So you have to be careful. As people are applying these umbrella words for everybody in life, such as yoga practice for everybody, mindfulness practice for everybody, everybody find a purpose. Rational. So it's irrational from the very first word. Word, well, understand that you are mindfully, but then honestly, take the challenge that I put on social media, that hashtag be here now challenge by David Lee. But try that. All I did is I wanted people to point out, I'm not saying that you should be living mindfully and only speaking in the present. That was not what I was saying. It was just a challenge to see how far you could go, which makes you pretty aware where your mind, where you choose to allow your mind to go most of the time. Little of the time. Sit around and be. Let's do this podcast. I'm sitting here talking to you presently. I'm uh, about to, no, see, it's future. I'm about to dip my tea. Right? So I was going to sound something shitty. I was going to say I'm dipping my tea bag and I just sounded gross. So in a studio, looking at the monitor, being affected by EMF, staring at my phone. Right? What kind of podcast is this shit? Telling me what he's doing. Right? So the, the present is not going to help you really grow, develop. It's not going to help you question your past, your tools, yourself, your traumas. Mindfulness isn't going to help you in anxiety either because it's just going to remind you you're about to have a fucking anxiety attack on me. So be careful of the umbrella. People like to try some mindfulness practice. Have you tried mindfulness? Have you meditated today? Get the fuck out of here, man. I like it. I sit still. I meditate when I'm sleeping. I meditate when I'm podcasting. Meditation is subjective, right? Do I have to do it your way? Categories so I can induce some state. I'm going to fuck off. But I try to get off, man, because, well, this worries some people, right? I mean, people worry about their kids and the tools they develop, what they've been through. She told me. (laughs) Their early life, I guess she... Is right on. Our biggest hurts comes our greatest skills. The coping skills, like I said before, we learned as a child that helped us survive early life victories in life. And rather than question self or the tools, traits, uh, we just say it must be the environment or they or them or you when we're speaking to someone else. But will we be okay? Well, those that they still use those tools that are unnecessary. Will, will they be okay? Will I be okay? You do with your hurt. It depends on how you think about it, talk about it, it describe it, perceive it as a gift 
or punishment. But I can tell you, receive it as a gift without work, effort, and application of humility. In a question, your own tools that have worked for you with the most massive, successful be. It's revived for me then. It's worked for me this long. I've said it many times, and I love to just uh, sum it up when I say, yeah, nobody eats those bananas on the ladder. Not of, or be new to the Cognitive Rampage podcast, I constantly talk about a research, um, research that was performed with some chimpanzees, a ladder and bananas on top, right? There were five chimps put into a ladder, bananas put on the top, and each time a chimp went up for the bananas, they hit all the chimps with a fire hose. Each time a chimp went up, the other chimps just grabbed it and beat it up, and they didn't have to get it wet anymore. One chimp at a time, one chimp at a time. And as one chimp went in, the new one would go up the ladder, they'd pull him down and beat him up. Nobody's even getting wet. By the end of the research project, they had five new chimpanzees that had never been sprayed with water before. And any time someone went up the ladder, they got beat up. And nobody had ever been wet. And so that's what I talk about in our own lives, is how many times do we just say, hey, Nobody goes and gets those bananas. Well, why? I, we just beat people up to do that. But I don't know. It's the tools. It worked for me then. It saved me in that toughest time. So now if I'm acting like this now, it must be okay. There's your masturbation. Therefore, it must be you. The projection onto others. What we do with that hurt will determine. This down. How much you perceive to be trauma be the reason. You have to exercise the humility. And understand this too. That as you start to change your beliefs in life, maybe you choose not to follow the typical social construct. Or you make choices against your friends and family's religious beliefs or ideals their choices don't be surprised if you don't hear from them much anymore because frankly people don't want to be reminded that the lives they chosen or the choices they chose what could be different or that other people make choices and live differently than they are and a lot of times they don't want to be around you and a lot of times that other person doesn't want to be around the other because it reminds them about the path they didn't take this doesn't happen if we use humility and we open and we learn almost an admiration or listenership like we're fans of each other. Different lifestyle. People don't agree with it or go away from you. It's not about you personally. It's not that they don't like you. Or they're not putting in time for you. Well, really... The, the conflict lifestyles question each other. People hang out. They say, well, man, I didn't take that route. Yeah, you took this route. Uh, it questions me like I made the wrong choice, maybe. Be aware of that. But also be aware that you can go too far. With the cognitive dissonance breaking, cognitive dissonance building, you can go too far, but you can move the line, and that too is the powerful idea of the evolving cognitive dissonance that we have. It's like purpose, 
love, mindfulness. These are things that, well, the human psyche can determine almost its effect on them, and sometimes, well, science will determine the non-effect on them. Of the human psyche, right? The idea that we hunt for competence, knowledge, knowing, and the truth, but we're so quick to create a story and a picture and come up with something if we don't have an answer, just to be arrogant enough to say we have a fucking answer so we don't have to think about it. Or so we don't have to say, I don't know. Human experience stand in awe and admiration of, of how the fuck. Nope. But see how so many are being fucked. Determine individually where we draw that line. What we determine or allow to be trauma in our lives and determine to be the reason of our lives and our truths. We determine our tools. We're going to think about the past and ruminate on it or try to learn from the past and solve something from it. And as a society, I don't see too many people looking back at the past enough to fucking learn from it. They really look back at it to concrete what they already fucking believe. Question it. Question yourself. Question others. Question the world. But above all, question self first. Apply humility. We're all in this fuck case to get y'all. And if you go up the ladder, I help you get up there. Hope you're taking care of you. Hope you're living your cognitive rampage.